Hey everybody, it's Jade, another episode of Still Here, Still Healing, which is part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This is episode eight of season two, um, another episode with Create to Learn. So Create to Learn is a program led by Taking It Global uh, that aims to support First Nation, Métis, and Inuit students and youth in developing creativity and digital content production skills. Throughout the pandemic, they launched Create to Learn at Home, which provided opportunities for different Indigenous artists and makers to showcase their skills by providing a series of video tutorials. Some of those tutorials include things like beading, music making, website design, podcasting, how to make your own video games, and so much more. So you can find all of those videos and all of the content on the Create to Learn app, which is free on the App Store, or at createtolearn.ca. On this episode, I'm excited to be talking with SJ. So SJ uh, created a video series for Create to Learn during the pandemic, um, and she taught us all how to use Photoshop. Uh, she's a medical illustrator, so she's uh, this is what she does uh, for a living. And uh, in this episode, we talk about what medical illustration is and her experiences in the field. Uh, we also talk about her experience at university and a little bit about culture and language. So I'm excited for you all to listen. Here is SJ. So I guess Tansay, uh, SJ Natsikasan. Um, my name is SJ. I am currently living in Toronto, Dish with One Spoon territory, home of the Anishinaabe here on Wendat and the uh, Haudenosaunee people. I've been really privileged to live here for hmm, how many years now? Seven years. <laughs> so before that, I was actually living in Montreal. Before that, I was living in Vancouver, but I grew up in uh, Calgary. So, yeah. Okay, so sometimes I like to start out by doing this thing called peaks and valleys and just to kind of share with each other and where we're at. So just sharing one thing that was like a peak for you, a high moment for you in the past like week or two, and then maybe a valley, like something you kind of struggled with in the past week or two. Um, so I can start. I'll just say um, my peak in the past little while... Ugh. I don't know. I haven't had very many peaks lately. Um, I guess a peak <laughs> this week would be I had a very short work week, um, which was nice. And I was part of a women's conference this week, which was also nice. Um, and a valley lately. I think I've been like struggling. I always say this is my valley, but I like struggle with anxiety. And I, I just feel like it's very heightened lately. Um, and I'm just feeling yeah. like feeling tired. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll start with my valley and then end on a high note, okay. I guess. But yeah, like I would say my valley is probably also, I mean, anxiety and depression, I think just so many people are struggling with those right now. And especially with COVID lockdowns and I'm in Toronto right now and we're starting to open back up. But um, yeah, that's been really difficult. And I'm actually doing my PhD right now. I'm doing it online. It's uh, in Sydney, Australia, and I haven't been able to go there. So all of my classes are at like two in the morning. So that has also been not so great. But I did get my vaccine and that has been 
felt really positive. It just feels like things are moving forward in the right direction. And that hopefully that means I'll be able to like see my family soon. And yeah, just, just hope. Hope has been the positive. Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit, like, I know you're a PhD student right now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what are you studying? Uh, Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm doing my PhD kind of studying like medical aesthetics right now. So really just looking at the history kind of, of how medical and scientific visuals are kind of presented and like what that means throughout a lot of it is like through the western lens of like how that's kind of been propagated and like our ideas of objectivity and like what that means and like what is really objective and what is like we have these ideas around western science that it's like the pinnacle of truth but really like throughout history like how have those ideas kind of developed um I'm still like very much in the early stages of my project. And I mean, I'm excited to kind of think through these things. And then also I get to, it's practice based. So a lot of it will be through my own work and my own uh, like 3D animation and production of visuals. But yeah, so far it's just kind of me at home writing and reading. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, so I wanted, I, we're going to talk more about that later because I have a couple questions for okay. you about like the animation you do and also um, sure. like uh, you posted something about like racism in medical illustration. So I wanted to chat about that too. Um, I know I didn't yeah. put that in our speaking points, but uh, I'm sure you oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, the Create to Learn program. This is why we're here. Um, I guess this is how we met was through the Create to Learn program. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the Create to Learn at Home program, you did a, was it a four video series or was it eight? I can't remember. I like can't remember now. I feel like it was four, but maybe it was eight. It was either four or eight. It I was, can't remember either. It was either. quite a few. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sorry. But, they but were it was so like good. basically going through Photoshop and how to kind of produce your own. Like, really, you could use it to like create any illustration, but I was specifically talking about medical illustrations. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was a really good series. Uh, it was really well done. And could you maybe talk about like, um so it was photoshop is that something that like you had that mm-hmm. skill before going into school for medical illustration or like what is that background like for you as an artist no yeah so i mean i did my undergrad i mean it kind of is a weird like trajectory because i did my undergrad in physiology and anatomy i thought i really wanted to be a doctor and in some ways like i think maybe I could have pushed it a little harder, but I do, I just felt like a lot of the kids that I was seeing that were able to go into medicine, there was definitely like a really big class divide, I think. Um, For example, I think a lot of the students who I saw really excelling in a lot of my classes, they didn't also have to have, you know, part-time jobs on the side. They weren't, you know, worried about student loans. There was like a whole bunch of extracurriculars that they were able to take on, like your applications for medicine, like, and for a lot of other programs, but really for medicine, like really values volunteer hours and all these other things. And I think they're starting to 
gently restructure how they're framing these applications because there is a realization that there is such a class system involved and like it excludes so many people who would be fantastic physicians and they're just not able to because they can't put in those hours outside of also working and then excelling in school so I just felt like it wasn't like something that I could like push myself to do because of the time that I had. I was also really sick during my undergrad. I ended up uh, getting tuberculosis, which um, was pretty horrible. Uh, They didn't understand what was wrong with me for a really long time because who gets TB? Um, They just thought I had like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So it was like in and out of a lot of like weird ICU units with like a lot of people with like lung cancers and on so many different medications. And yeah, it just kind of, I mean, I think that filtered a lot of my ideas too, just around like medicine and medical gaze in general. And um, yeah, I, I came out of it really wanting to invest in an artistic practice as well. And that's how I kind of came to the idea of like medical illustration where it was like, I could use these like foundations that I had in physiology and anatomy that I was really interested in how the body worked, but then also potentially be able to illustrate things for patients so that they could, you know, have a clearer understanding of what they were going through potentially. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I like that story. I don't know. Um, how you like changed your like we're never set in stone right we have this idea I think when we're younger that like this is what our path is going to be but it changes completely um and usually for the better um so can you (laughs) tell anybody who's listening what medical illustration is because when I first met you I was like what the heck is even that (laughs) so yeah yeah, maybe give like an example of like what you do as a medical illustrator I mean, I think it's, it can be many different things. I think when people first think about it, I always talk about like textbook illustrations. Like if you open up like an anatomy textbook, like you're going to see so many different illustrations and people, I guess, like don't really think about like where those come from or who, who makes those. And it's, it's, it's artists, Mm -hmm. it's illustrators. So yeah, there's that. There's like a whole other side of like animation where you're like trying to kind of depict different molecular interactions that go on. That's like another side of it. I worked as a, a med legal uh, animator and illustrator for a while as well. So those were kind of used to help the jury kind of understand what was going on and yeah oh that's so interesting that's such an interesting career path and like yeah I I love that it's so cool um yeah and there's so many different options I think it's not like it's not just one thing I think that's like also what I I've always failed to like kind of emphasize that like it's like so many different avenues and like interactive media VR animation illustration like it's like yeah Mm -hmm. kind of all over the map So I guess like outside of medical illustration and like, I guess for you personally, do you like do other types of artwork, like just for you? Uh, I I feel like I did at one point. I feel like I just haven't had as much time to do that lately. I try to do... I mean, what have I tried to do lately? I've, I've kind of gotten into beading, but I'm not that good. Same. <laughs> I'm kind of garbage. Same. 
Um, but I yeah, try. I just like, I see you're so talented. Like I've obviously seen the medical oh, stuff that you've you. uh, posted, but I just like never see you posting things that are like not related to, to medical stuff. So I just thought I'd ask. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I was actually just going to look this up because I saw something and I wanted to bring it up with you. I don't know if it's still posted. Do you follow um, Ancestors? our future ancestors on Instagram? Um, yeah, I think so. On Instagram? Yeah, uh, it's not on their story anymore, but um, I was going to bring it up in terms of like the medical textbooks. I think she posted or they posted something um, about how it was like a nursing textbook or something about how to react to different cultures. And it was just so like... Ugh, it was just Ugh. so not right. And so I guess that could bring us into yeah. our conversation about like um, the racism yeah. in, in medical illustration and like textbooks and stuff. And like, what yeah. have, what have you noticed I'm... being in the field? Oh, I mean, it's exhausting. <laughs> it really is because I mean, and especially like I did my um, master's for med medical illustration in Scotland. And I, I mean, I did have the privilege of being over there and it was really awesome to have this experience. But at the same time, you're like witnessing kind of like this colonial state that like doesn't really have a lot of like self-reflection going on. Like, I feel like at the very least, like sometimes within Canada, like I feel like you get, it's just at a different level there. There's just so little kind of acknowledgement of like those histories and you walk into some of these medical museums and there's a lot of specimens there. And where did these specimens come from? They're predominantly like either like black people or just, you know, like they might've gotten them from prisons and things like that. And it's, a, it's, it's icky. It's really gross. Like to think about like the histories of these bodies and kind of just not how they're being mistreated, but just they're not giving them the proper recognition for as educational tools, they are, these people become educators in their own way. And I feel like they didn't necessarily agree to those terms. And I just think a lot of those bodies should be given up or like buried, give, tried to be given back to families, things like that. There's like the skeleton that's uh, in, uh, I think it's the Hunterian Museum. And it's from this man who specifically said he did not want to be displayed or like taken by like grave exhumers. Like he had, he was like very, very tall, very, very large. And I feel like he knew that he was going to be put on display as soon as he died. And he tried to hide his body through various means. like once he passed away like and they still found his body and it's still on display with this little panel that tells this story of how he didn't want it but like there's do you know you sort of see what I mean like yeah. there's that disconnect where it's like return him yeah put him back that's like, so messed up ugh. 
Yeah. So I just feel like there's lots of instances like that where I was like, oh, like this just doesn't feel right. And and that's just in like the world of specimens, which is Mm -hmm. but like even in textbooks, like there's so much disgusting history. Like I can't remember the name of the specific textbook, but it said that like all of the illustrations were um, made during the Holocaust and like all of the experiments that were done on Jewish people and those textbooks and those anatomy, like, like, what do you do with that information now that you have it? Like, uh, there's, yeah, it's, um, well, I'm thinking about a lot of, as you're saying this, I'm like, I work in education and I'm thinking like, okay, we are, I mean, we're not where we need to be, but I feel like we are, um, ahead of a lot of other fields in terms of like anti-racist work. Um, and so mm-hmm. you're speaking about like uh, medicine or uh, the medical field and how like far behind I almost feel they are. And I, I'm sure other fields are like this as well. And it's just like we need to be, I guess, addressing that and, and doing better moving forward. Um, I feel, I guess, yeah. Um, I guess grateful. I don't know if that's the word, I, word choice I want to use, but like working in education, knowing that we're like actually making yeah. those steps. So yeah, it's interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you are the founder of Biocom Hive. Um, and I was just creeping on yeah. your Instagram a little bit. <laughs> Can you tell us what oh. that is? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's been on pause since COVID started. I feel like just my energy levels have been so different since this pandemic has started. But I mean, I do have goals of, you know, writing more blog posts around like anti-racism work within the medical illustration community, how people can, you know, think about their illustration differently, think about their animation differently. Why do we always see this like random blue person that's supposed to be representative of all people within like every pain, every commercial for pain there's like just this like blue guy with like a skeleton and it's so irritating to yeah. me but like yeah so I mean I the the Facebook group is still open that has about 400 or so people in it that we kind of just talk about whatever needs to be talked about uh grant applications contract writing yeah business stuff it's nice to have that community yeah um yeah what do you notice about like are there a lot of indigenous people in this field i have never met anybody i would love to if someone else does this that would be amazing um there's also there's just a, a lack of like bipoc people in this industry as a whole like Mm -hmm. not just indigenous people like yeah why do you think that is or like what do you (laughs) Uh, I mean there's a there's a lot of reasons I think like it's like historical gatekeeping I think like primarily like a lot of the associations that you look at like they're they're all like white dudes Mm -hmm. I mean I think uh, like yeah, historically, I think it was like a lot of like white doctors who would like kind of also be into painting and, you know, kind of branch out that way. Um, yeah. And then now I think it's just like access to university programs because it 
it does, it doesn't technically require you to have, you don't have to have a master's to get into this field, but it, it is, I feel like the primary way that people get into medical illustration or get hired by major studios that do this kind of work is you have a degree from an accredited institution and like any institution, they're predominantly white. So I think that that's like a huge limiting factor too. And it goes back to sort of what I was saying about like the, like the medical degree. Like I think all of these institutions need to be rethinking the way that they admit students and having like alternative forms of sort of merit to be able to say, oh, this person belongs in a program like this. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think good points. I I don't disagree with you. Um, and I, I think it's like that in, in a, quite a few fields. Like, it's that gatekeeping, I guess. Um, yeah. I wanted to also talk to you about, as I was creeping your Instagram a little more, <laughs> don't mind me. Um, That's okay. You had posted something about um, an animation residency. This is probably pre-COVID um, in Banff. It was like this body. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something about chronic oh, pain. That was, uh, that one, so that was like a, those were two different animation residencies. But yeah, one of them that I did uh, was with uh, the Toronto Animated Image Society. And that I created um, an animation, this body where I was, yeah, talking about my own chronic pain and just like, chronic illness in general, but also like I interviewed a few of my friends and they're kind of talking about their art practice through their health and their own bodies and stuff. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it's funny because I feel like I always forget that I did that project. Oh, it looked really cool. I was like, oh, <laughs> residency in Bath. Okay, cool. So I wanted to just highlight some of that work that you've done. Yeah, yeah. the work that I did in Banff was really awesome. So that was, um, with uh, Monique Graysmith. She was kind of our writing coach throughout it. Um, she's run, read, uh, read. She's written um, Tilly and the Crazy Eights, which is, I don't know, just a cute story about some cocoms. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then um, Amanda Strong, she was also another facilitator within that program, which was, that's how I, that's how I first met her actually. So yeah, I spent three weeks. It was like, I think it reset me in so many ways because at that point I had been working at an animation studio just day in, day out for almost three years. And I hadn't even, I hadn't had like a proper vacation. I hadn't gone anywhere. And I just was like, I was so burnt out. And so I took three weeks off and just went into the woods. And yeah, I ended up writing this like little short story for kids called, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, this is like my bad, bad Cree. Like I can't say it properly. It's like a sawapacones. It means a uh, dandelion, supposedly. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Um, two things from that actually that I wanted to talk about. Um, one being the Spirit Bear series. Um, so oh, yeah. you had, when we were in the Connected North session together, you had mentioned that you did a little bit of work with that. Um, could you, I was just interested if you could just share a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So I met Amanda during um, the BAM presidency and then I 
later, I think it was like probably about a year and a half later, ended up doing some freelance work for her and ended up getting on that project was really amazing. I mean, it was kind of cool because I mean, Amanda's the work that is involved in those kinds of projects is it's like, it's so crazy because they have to take pictures of every single frame of like the stop motion. Mm. They build all these like intricate, beautiful puppets. This like woman, Zoe, she's sews all like hand sews like all of their costumes and their outfits and like beads their like little bear moccasins and like all this work is so intricate and so time consuming and so beautiful and then I kind of just feel like I'm like I'm coming at the end and I'm like like stitch it all together and like (laughs) just like post and get to like add colors and stuff but like there's so much work that goes into it beforehand that I feel a bit bad because I feel like the part that I get to do just just feels so easy in comparison to like all of that detail and I'm like oh then I get to see the final product Yeah, that's so cool, though. Like, I didn't think that much, um, like, time went into, I guess, like, sewing all those things. That makes sense. Like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, But for people listening um, that don't know, like, what the Spirit Bear series is, could you give some information on that? Yeah, so it's about Spirit Bear who kind of goes to Ottawa to help fight for justice for Jordan River Anderson. Um, I don't know if people know the story of Jordan River Anderson, who's basically kind of denied uh, the health care that he needed. Um, he wanted, or his family wanted him to be uh, at home on reserve. And there was basically a fight between the federal and provincial governments to see who would be funding it. And instead of getting the funding he needed, he passed away in hospital. Um, I'm not sure how old he was. I feel like he was like maybe four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very really young. young. Yeah. But yeah. So it's it was just a like trying to like I guess like open up discussions around that. And it was um, yeah, four kids, but also very sad and. Yeah, I think it's like really important work, though, that um, these books are being made because like myself as a teacher, I use these types of resources to teach my students. So, oh, really? um, Yeah, of course, I'm always looking for books that like touch on these types of topics, because how do you explain to children like what um, this these injustices are? And so I'm just actually looking them up here. So the four books, um, Spirit Bear and Children Make History, based on a true story. And these are like all, are they all written Mm -hmm. by Cindy Blackstock? Uh, They're written in partnership with Cindy Blackstock Mm -hmm. and then uh, Amanda Strong. And we are like, we do like all the illustration. I think, I think I ended up illustrating the first one. I can't remember now. (laughs) So there's like Spirit Bear, Echoes of the Past, Spirit Bear, Fishing for Knowledge, Catching Dreams, and then Spirit Bear, Honoring Echoes of the Past, I definitely illustrated. Cool. Yeah. I'm just like, some of these projects come so quickly that I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I I feel everything is a blur. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So much work all the time, um, which is a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, these books are so, (laughs) so cute. if anybody listening, educators, parents, I would definitely recommend checking them out. Um, some really good topics to discuss with your kids. 
Um, so where are we? The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, like culture and language. So I know you're living away from home. Um, yeah. And like, what is what is that like for you? <laughs> it's hard. It is hard. I mean, I definitely. Yeah. I feel like it's a difficult one for me because I, I did have like a really. Um, I did difficult time growing up in Calgary and it's, I feel like it's, I left as soon as I could, like as soon as I turned 17, I moved away and I haven't really been back to, I've been back to visit, but not to live since then. It's like 15 years ago. (laughs) How old am I? (laughs) Yeah. So, so, I mean, I do, I have dreams of like, you know, going back there sometimes and like settling, but, um, I also just think that the history of that place is just really hard for me. I think that Alberta in general is like incredibly conservative and it's like very difficult to live there as an indigenous person. When I think so many settlers are, um, very confused and don't understand quite uh, what uh, the relationship between Indigenous people and the government like actually is. I've heard just so many, I'm like trying to put this very delicately. I, I just have like very, yeah. And I mean, in addition to that, as someone who my dad's side is, is white, um, they're also just incredibly racist. Like, I'll just put it out that way. Like, so I think that there's just, um, yeah, a lot of trauma through family and space that I need to somehow work through in my own way before I feel like I could be, which is sad because I love, like, I love that land. Like I love that landscape. I love my mom so much and that's her home. That will always be her home. Um, yeah. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't think that really answers yeah, it, but it's like okay. really like, it's hard. No, I'm glad. Sorry. That you're, <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm really glad that you're, um, having that, um, we can have that conversation about the prairies because damn, I'm right here in Saskatchewan. So I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, about, you know, settlers and being confused. (laughs) I like the way the word that you used (laughs) Um, to put it delicate. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I feel you, but um, how do you stay connected to like culture and language as a Neha woman in you're in, Toronto you're in Ontario that's not Cree landscape um, I know so what do you do how do you stay connected <sighs> it's been really difficult like it really has like there are like the Native Canadian centers here there are Cree people here like I but yeah it has been difficult I've been doing um like zoom Cree classes online like a lot of it is just all online I feel <laughs> I'm just on the computer all the time Mm -hmm. but yeah it's not easy because I think that yeah like there are a lot of um 
like events and things that happen here. But then I, I do worry about like, kind of like distilling my indigeneity to like this kind of pan indigenous identity, which is not, that's, I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. either. (laughs) But yeah, like, I think a big part of it is going to just be me moving home and like reconnecting with like a lot of family who I haven't been in touch with in a long time. And yeah. It needs, it needs to happen. It will happen. Yeah. I just. Yeah, it definitely will. Yeah. I, I can relate with you in that way. I know I'm still living in the same province as like my family and, but I'm actually from Northern Saskatchewan and I'm Woodland Cree, but I've been living in Saskatoon, which is Plains Cree territory for like eight years. And I also like don't have the strongest connections with like my, my dad's side of the family who is like the Cree side of my family. Um, and so, yeah, I feel, I feel that I can like empathize with you and like wanting to, I guess, um, rekindle those relationships at some point and like not necessarily knowing how to go about it right now so yeah I mean those things are difficult too I feel like I feel like I talk about all of this stuff with my therapist (laughs) (laughs) oh is this therapy (laughs) yeah it's like yeah but I do think that those things are difficult too because you're it's not just you navigating that it's like you meeting someone who's at their own place in like their own healing journey. And like, are they at a space that's like, you know, able to like open up and like meet you where you are and you where they are kind of thing. Because I mean, yeah, like my grandmother went to residential school and like a lot of my cousins and my uncles and stuff. And like my mom was adopted. So we, I didn't really get to like, know even of their existence until maybe about like 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and so everybody's kind of had their own journey and their own experiences like separate from us and it's kind of coming together and hearing everyone's stories without Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I so I I just it's important yeah to realize like it's not just you there's like that reciprocity between like your relationship with someone else so you have to know where they're Mm -hmm. at as well yeah it's tough (laughs) yeah 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 but I'm glad um I'm really glad that you're you're opening up and and sharing this in this way because I think it's important for people whoever's listening to realize like our experiences as indigenous people are so like varied so different um but also like Mm -hmm. it's relatable in in some ways you know like just through this conversation I'm relating to you in in certain ways but our stories are so different so Mm -hmm. yeah I do feel like that's interesting it's like yeah we all have like such different stories but it's I mean it's fucked up or sorry it's (laughs) that's okay it's sad but it's like (laughs) uh yeah it's just like so many of the atrocities that I feel like have happened in my family have happened in my friends' families, like with just adoption and like disconnection. And it's been like, I feel like a lot of my friends, like we're like in our thirties now. And it's like, we kind of just like have these, this feeling of responsibility of like reconnecting. And through that, I feel like through my reconnection, I feel like I've been able to help 
with the healing of myself, but also my mom and my cousins. And it's like these ripples of everybody kind of like coming back together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which is funny because I do feel like it's like it is it, it's outside of my like illustration work. It, it's just this whole other kind of part of me that I that I walk with every day but it's still like it doesn't there's there's a disconnect there I feel like somehow which I don't know how to kind of rectify but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> no I think this is uh, an important conversation yeah and, and I'm happy that we're having it and that people can listen to it so um thank you for sharing <laughs>